1: Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms,
2: visit Visible.com. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with
0: trust with Watson X governance. Learn more at ibm.com/governance. IBM. Let's create. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts season two of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment
1: Hey, just a quick note before we kick this episode off. We actually had to re-record one segment of it.
5: Yeah, the uh, beginning of the episode is actually recorded after <laughs> the second part of the episode. But uh, we managed to put it all together, especially with the help of our great producer, Noel. And uh, we just wanted to let you know there might be some contextual stuff that seems a little weird because of the time frame. But uh, when we talk about the stigmatic Padre Pio... There uh, is some stuff that was said before and then after, and it it, it makes sense, though. We've listened to it and feel pretty good about
1: it. Yeah, so you should be able to roll with it, but just in case there are any questions, uh, that's what's up.
4: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from
3: HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. Hey, I'm Christian Sager. And this is uh, part two of our exploration of the stigmata Part one uh, dealt primarily with patient zero for the stigmata, St. Uh, Francis of Assisi. Yeah, as we talked
5: about in the first episode, he is primarily recognized as as the stigmatic of history. But today we're going to talk about just stigmata beyond St. Francis, sort of the pop culture that we've seen uh, stigmata take place in, but also some more explanations that are somewhat scientific for what's possibly going on here. Why are there so many people who are bleeding from these very specific areas?
1: Yeah, the first uh, episode dealt more directly with just the the religious idea, the supernatural idea of these wounds of Christ uh, manifesting in the flesh, and then the the historical um, as well as uh, biological aspects, trying to figure out what disease Francis might have suffered from. And this is going to go in a more... um, psychological direction. Right.
5: There's other explanations beyond pathogens, uh, viruses, bacteria, whatever, that could potentially cause this for somebody. So somebody really thinks
1: that they've been bestowed the wounds of Christ on their body. But before we get into the, uh, the psychology of, of the matter, uh, let's discuss some of the pop culture uh, aspects here, because we, we didn't even have time to uh, to mention any of them in the previous episode.
5: Yeah. So uh, the big one that I always think of is that movie, Stigmata, with ah. Gabriel Byrne and uh, I always forget her name. Um, Rosanna Arquette? Uh, it's the sister, Patricia, Patricia. Arquette. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, she's a stigmatic. And contrary to a a lot of the the history of stigmatics, in that movie, it's uh, portrayed as being like a a bad omen. Like it's somehow, I can't remember, it's been a long time, but uh, somehow her being a stigmatic is like uh, going to open a gateway for Satan to come to the material plane or something like that. Gabriel Byrne is like an occult investigator for the Catholic Church, and he has... I think his job is to go around the world and investigate uh, mystical uh, occurrences like stigmata. I think he also, like, maybe at one point uh, finds, like, a statue of Christ that's bleeding. Um, but his job is to go and investigate the Patricia Arquette incident.
1: It's so weird that they would cast it as this demonic uh yeah. Entry device rather than uh, exploring it more as where,
5: a, yeah you know, whereas in every other instance in in history it's it's been uh, seen as a holy
1: thing well most instances yeah I mean it seems like you would just have your uh, protagonist suffer from the stigmata yeah. and then battle your demonic characters and I don't know maybe that's where the, the film ends up landing anyway but
5: it's yeah it's hard for me to remember but I did before we recorded this go and, and watch the trailer again on <laughs> YouTube and uh, there is a moment where uh, they're surprised that she's not devout. Uh, of faith, hmm. that I think like they're on a train in New York City or something like that, and Gabriel burn shocked when he finds out that she, she's like an atheist or something like that. Huh.
1: Uh, well, you know, I have a hard time remembering exactly where I encountered the stigmata for the first time, in fiction or otherwise, because mm-hmm. I certainly didn't grow up Catholic, but uh, I must have... Uh, ran across it somewhere.
5: I'm sure it's one of those things that's used as a trope throughout horror mm-hmm. literature and movies without even actually being referred to as stigmata. In a lot of situations, it's just the idea of bleeding from open sores uh, spontaneously or from your eyes. But the one that I remember is the, um, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's a X files episode where uh, Mulder and Scully are <laughs> chasing after a serial killer who's killing fake stigmatics or like, um, sort of like tent revivalist preachers, Uh and they fake stigmata with ketchup packets, I think. And um, But the serial killer is going around the country killing them until he finds an actual stigmatic.
1: Oh, and uh, he's throwing for a curveball.
5: Exactly. And so are they, because they switch roles. Mulder's the one who doesn't believe in it, and Scully does, because she has the religious background.
1: Now, is the killer in this, is, is he himself a stigmatic? He's not it's very it's very strange if from
5: what i remember i think he owns like a, a factory some kind of tire or car factory or something <laughs> like that and he he goes on a their explanation is like that he goes on a trip to the middle east and he comes back and all of a sudden he's just like basically possessed huh. uh with with the 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 need to kill stigmatics.
1: (laughs) All right, so a little Jerusalem syndrome in there, a little just blue-collar guy going off the deep end. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Now, I do remember, uh, as uh, a fairly young reader, reading Philip K. Dick's The Four Stigmata of Palmer Eldrick. Okay. I can't remember how many stigmata are referenced in the title of the book, but it's a fantastic novel in which you have this kind of uh, pan-alien figure uh, who has died, but then manifests in a sort of stigmata? It's not a literal stigmata, but very much uh-huh. employing the idea of a of a of a stigmata. Oh, I
5: don't, I've, I haven't read this one. I, yeah. I, I love Philip K. Dick's work. Is this from around that period of time when he was uh, writing sort of those sort of transcendental sci-fi books like *Valis*? Stuff yeah, like I that? think this
1: one is from th- the towards the end of his timeline, and it's very psychedelic in places. It's, it's okay, it's pretty out there. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. It's been a while since I've read it, so I'm a little foggy on the details, but I remember it as being like a really, really strong read.
5: And of uh, course there's the, the ministry song, stigmato, which, oh, uh, job I, 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 I want to say it's, um, the mind is a terrible thing to taste. Mm. I might be wrong, but I remember there's a video. That's very 1990s kind of video, oh, black kn- and white. You industrial. know,
1: I did run across this song. That's very song recently on um, like an industrial playlist on Spotify. Oh, oh yeah. had a bunch of yeah. tunes. And I'm not as familiar with that particular ministry album.
5: Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, go check that out on YouTube. I have no idea what it has to do with <laughs> stigmata or or what we've been talking about regarding the history. Or <laughs> I'm
1: sure it's a deep, thoughtful uh,
5: consideration. Yeah, Al Jorgensen's stigmata. known yeah. for his insights. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving out of uh, pop culture and into just sort of the, the psychological aspects here. Now, obviously, there are a number of reasons one might uh, uh, inflict this kind of uh, self-harm. You know, you have hysteria, various central nervous system disorders. Um, just uh, there, there are a number of reasons that a partially unhinged mind might uh, turn to mutilation. Right.
5: And, and so from reading the, the research about stigmatics throughout history post, uh, St. Francis, a lot of cases they're associated with something that's referred to as holy anorexia, mm. which is this idea that, um, there were young women who were strongly active in the church and devout in their belief. Uh, and they were subsequently seen as female saints, but when we retroactively look back on their cases, uh, the diagnosis seems to be anorexia nervosa, that they were purposely uh, starving themselves, not eating anything except for the, um, Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this kind of uh, treatment of their body through dietary restrictions sometimes led to self-mutilation.
1: Yeah, a number of these uh, cases of stigmata may result from uh, self mutilation occurring during de- what's called dietary constriction related disassociation. Okay. So as a result, you have artificial dietary constriction that's resulting in an indifference to the kind of harm that you're you're inflicting upon yourself, and uh, you know a variety of data links dramatic dietary constriction. Um, uh, to uh, to reduced uh functioning altered states of consciousness and uh self-injurious behavior so let's see if we can trace
5: this here so the behavior starts off as a dietary restriction right basically uh starving yourself and that leads to a dissociative state that one could construe as being transcendent right that you've you've uh you've you've the hunger has brought you to a a place of being one with God.
1: Yeah, and I should probably you know drive home a little bit about what a disassociative experience consists of, because a disassociative experience can range from mild detachment from immediate surroundings to severe detachment from not only physical but emotional experience. So like a full-blown detachment from reality, talking mm-hmm. to spirits, you know, venturing into the astral plane kind of thing. Okay. Amnesia, disassociative fugue states where you you know you don't remember what you did or what happened, and you weren't quite in your mind when you were doing it. But also on the like the, the low end of the spectrum, just daydreaming while you're driving to work is essentially low level disassociative state. and you know a coping method for boredom, but still an altered a very mild altered state of consciousness. Okay. So the extreme end version of
5: this, I think the logical argument that that was made in the research was that these transcendent states would lead to self-mutilation in yeah. some cases, which displayed a stigmata. And then the, the, um, the, the patient, I guess, was, would be how you would refer to it. In this case, Uh, Wouldn't remember doing it to themselves because of the state that they were in. So they would, of course, assume that it had been bestowed upon them in some deific manner.
1: Yeah, yeah. They would either have an altered memory of what happened, or they would they would have no memory of what had happened that had caused these, you know, again mild uh, discolorations in the palm, or Mm -hmm. just full on, you know, wounds. Yeah, and
5: and so. There, there's evidence in the research, too, that talks about how, you know, a lot of these cases were in the Middle Ages. Uh, and for women at that time, it was one of the few ways that they could administer control over their lives because mm-hmm. of, the you know, the, the general misogyny in the culture of the time. So they were able to, uh, by, by, by not eating and by, you know, achieving these transcendent states and, and whatever happened beyond that sort of. Uh, lift themselves up into a position where that they 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 gained empowerment somewhat. Yeah. You know, they had a voice to speak from, or rather, a platform to speak from, uh, where they could you know have some kind of authority where they normally wouldn't.
1: Yeah, and ultimately, also engaging in just this mystical experience that results in like physical evidence of the mm-hmm. divine, or at least, or at least physical evidence of their their own uh, connection to the divine. Hmm
5: so it, it's curious I, I, I think now about like uh, some of the more modern cases that I read about like uh, Padre Pio mm-hmm. um, there's this guy who's active right now named. I'm going to butcher this name I believe his name is Zlatko Sudec. Um and both of them you know uh, Padre Pio died in the 60s but Zlatko's Sudec is around now and um, both of them display stigmata there's photographic evidence of it um, I would assume in uh, Sudec's case you could probably even watch YouTube videos of him uh, proselytizing, Hmm. but they, uh, I don't get the impression that they're suffering from the dietary constriction version. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Another thing that was common about uh, these cases and and in both those guys' cases too, is that they, they claim that they had other things going on, other mystical experiences going on beyond the stigmata. Um, In Padre Pio's case, People said that his stigmata smelled like perfume, like when he was bleeding, the room would fill
1: with the smell of flowers. Well, that that sounds actually oddly suspicious. <laughs> like, And it was so weird, it didn't smell like blood at all. It right. smelled like ketchup. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> it's just a miracle.
5: Yeah, yeah. Or how about this one? He, has, he Both these guys claim that they have the ability to bilocate. Uh, so that means that they can be in two places at the same time.
1: Hmm. Well, that's that's interesting as well. I'm trying to figure out exactly how that would work. I mean, certainly in a disassociative state, you could have that kind I of suppose, experience yeah. where you feel like you're in two places at once.
5: Yeah, yeah. And then there are, there's other people who've claimed, you know, as, as such with exorcisms, they mm-hmm. claim that they've seen stigmatics levitate as well.
1: Hmm. Well, of course, there are there are a whole host of reasons one might have some sort of hallucinatory experience mm. uh, that that could involve either of those sensations. So, yeah, who knows. Yeah, but there's there's
5: a lot going on with stigmatics throughout history uh, beyond the the
1: sort of, uh, I guess, case study that St. Francis uh, supplied. To come back to uh, fasting for just uh, a moment, I do want to link that, you know, outside of... uh uh, observations and accounts of uh, religious experience of pain uh, and, uh, and and fasting. We we see plenty of links between starvation and self mutilation elsewhere, uh, particularly among Allied prisoners of war in uh, the Second World War, uh, Japanese POW camps uh, in the Netherlands during uh, during famine uh, times during the Second World War, uh, and among anorexic individuals. And we have a great uh, I have a great quote here from UCLA anthropologist Daniel M T Fessler. Uh, who uh, says that the stigmata provides, quote, a ready-meaning system that likely shapes the experiences, actions, and accounts of devout Catholics having a psychological predisposition to dietary constriction and attendant disassociation and self-mutilation.
5: Mm. So, yeah, th- that system of meaning comes back again. Mm-hmm. It, it, it definitely makes me think about issues of identity, um, and it, uh, almost in a sort of, uh, huh, like... Systematic way of, 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 you know, recalculating who you are as an individual, your
1: role in the world. Yeah. And Which is all
5: something all of us go through. It's very existential, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we're
1: informed by the stories in our lives, by the, the images in our lives. And mm-hmm. certainly individuals who are experiencing the stigmata, they're looking to the art, right? They're looking to the accounts. Yeah. And so that's why you see, uh, the, the nail in the palm. Uh, which is in a uh, which is in keeping with the artistic traditions and the storytelling tradition, as opposed to the wrist, which is uh, where the nail would have actually gone, according to most stories.
5: Yeah, that's the interesting part, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, and not a whole lot of people call stigmatics out on that, but exactly that the wounds almost always appear in the palm rather than the wrists. Um, my only guess is that like if you were uh self-mutilating and, and and you went for the risks that there would be a higher likelihood of dying from that and my mm-hmm. understanding especially from reading the literature comparing self-cutters to uh, stigmatics was that you know obviously the intent is not suicide the intent is not to kill yourself mm-hmm. um so you wouldn't want to do something like that but that uh, that's the only connection I can make.
1: Yeah, I think it's just the the iconography, you know. I mean, yeah. it's like that's the, vi- the the vision of Christ that uh, we're bombarded with is uh, mm. is that of the Christ with the, the that artistic the one. Yeah.
5: yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, which gets back to the whole idea that the art itself was was uh, some kind of ic- iconographic uh, thing that supplanted the actual Jesus Christ. You know, there there were ideas that the art. Had holy power to it, huh. and, and that it, it in its own way was
1: converting people. Huh. It's like, you're, almost like you're brainwashed from staring at this image too, too long. In the same way that you could say, don't watch that horror movie. You're watching too many horror movies. Potentially. It's gonna, it's gonna crazy your mind up.
5: But for, yeah, from what I understood from the reading that there were leaders within the church who were critical of some pieces of art because they saw it as basically being I mean, marketing for, for mm-hmm. the religious movement and they didn't want certain images to be associated with it because that, that was how people were interpreting the religion. That's how they were understanding it.
1: Oh yeah, there's, yeah, there's a whole fascinating history of the depiction of Christ in, uh, in, in the Catholic tradition, and and what happens when certain depictions go a little too far, mm-hmm. uh, and, and people start reining it in, or even throwing the word heresy out. Yeah. For instance, the the feminine Christ that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. The three headed Christ that was possible, uh, that was uh, popular at one time. Wow, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, because you're using images to to describe and tell these stories to you know often lay people, and uh, and so you're trying to talk about the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. Uh huh. So you depict a, a Christ that has three faces. Oh, okay. Yeah, essentially right. making a monster Christ.
5: Weird. It makes me think of uh, the He-Man character Manny faces. I had this little action figure <laughs> when I was I a kid. I had that one, too, yeah. He, he had three faces that you could spin around with like a top.
1: Kind of like that, of yeah. yeah. It's, wow. It's kind of like of a priest. So there was Spirit a there.
5: Holy Spirit face, a God
1: face, and a Jesus Christ face? They all, the, the the ones I looked at, they all look the same, and they're kind of merged together in this kind of weird, trippy huh. fashion. Uh, it's, with stuff. I think we have an image of it on how stuff works, so I'll have to link to it. Interesting. But. I wonder how that
5: may potentially connect, to to the other two uh, uh, individuals who were crucified at the time of Christ.
1: That's uh, true. I mean, yeah. There's the good the...
5: thief and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Hmm.
1: You start throwing around three in the uh, yeah. book iconography, yeah. and uh, you can just go nuts. Huh. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to look at some possible psychosomatic explanations for the stigmata.
4: Are you spending a fortune while shopping on Amazon? What if I said you can earn cash back while you shop? Introducing Drop, the ultimate rewards app. Whether it's fashion, electronics, or groceries, you can earn free gift cards just by shopping online or in-store at tons of your favorite brands. Download the Drop app now and start earning while you shop. Plus, for a limited time, use code DROP11 to get $5 in points instantly.
2: That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a hundred thousand miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
6: This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be.
1: All right, we're back.
5: So there is. before we get into the psychosomatic explanations for stigmata, there's one more example that I wanted to touch upon, which is, from my understanding, one of the most famous stigmatics in history outside of St. Francis was Padre Pio, and he lived from 1887 to 1968, was a stigmatic. uh, But there were many skeptics uh, about his uh, stigmata, including two popes. So it was not recognized as being authentically divine, uh, especially because there was a point in time where it was found that he plagiarized his own writings about his stigmata from like the diary entries of a young girl from the Middle Ages who was stigmatic. So there was a lot of questioning about his own stigmata, which leads you to wonder, too, like, we were speaking about the self-mutilation mainly in terms of people sort of doing it in transcendent sort of dissociative states. But in this guy's case, it, w- it might have been possible that he was actually wounding himself for the attention.
1: Maybe so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and then again, you get into especially when you start comparing it to plagiarism, mm-hmm. you get into that whole weird area of like to to what extent was it conscious and versus right. subconscious was it? A deliberate act was it like a slippery slope uh to to the point where you're actually you know carving your your wounds each day yeah
5: and padre pio you know like i said he died in 1968 so we have like photographic evidence of this guy Hmm. with the wounds and everything so it's um that's one of those cases where it's 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 you know it gets incredibly complicated psychologically and sort of ethically yeah but let's move on to the psychosomatic explanation, because I think this is really fascinating.
1: Yeah, in this we're talking about uh, essentially psychosomatic illness. Uh, this is when a, a physical illness or other condition, such as stigmata potentially, is caused or aggravated by a mental factor, such as internal conflict or high levels of stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the easiest to grasp examples of this, you know, without getting into like a really fringy territory, uh, examples of... Uh, uh, examples of stress-related symptoms.
5: So, I mean, like, for me personally, I know that in the past I've had hives when I've okay. been stressed out. So that's a psychosomatic response, right? Yeah,
1: or, um, you know, two big ones are peptic ulcers or irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, mm-hmm. These were once thought to, uh, IBS and peptic ulcers were both thought to once be entirely psychosomatic. Mm-hmm. And we know it isn't the case now. But there's mm-hmm. definitely a, a, you know, psychosomatic element to their manifestation. Okay. Um, another key area to look at is... Uh, you know the, the nocebo effect, the, the, the yeah. dark side of the placebo effect. Because in the strictest sense, uh, a, nocebo, a nocebo response is when a drug trial subject's symptoms are worsened by the administration of an inert uh, sham or dummy drug. So yeah,
5: nocebo is one of those uh, fascinating things that keeps coming up over and over again here at How Stuff Works. I, mm-hmm. it, 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 that specific example has been um just used in a lot of our podcasts and videos and and i believe that we have a nocebo article i think as well
1: and the new nocebo podcast launching
5: yeah yeah, the the nocebo stuff
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah yeah, basically what's happening is you're you're taking just this you know sugar pill yeah but you believe that it could hurt you you've read these uh you've, you've read the possible side effects right and so when you take it Negative physical manifestations occur because mm-hmm. you believe that they will. Like, right, yeah. like the the link between the, the mind and body in that regard is, uh, uh, you know, is established. It just it gets into questions of to what extent that, uh, yeah, that connection I, goes.
5: I don't think that that's something we fully understand yet. You know, yeah. we're sitting here talking about how our modern medicine is so much better than the Middle Ages, but I think that there's a point to be made that. Our understanding of psychosomatic responses is still probably in, it, in its infancy.
1: Yeah, uh, you end up looking at uh, at other areas too, such a, of psych- uh, psychogenic uh, illness, such as uh, conveyed syndrome or uh, sympathetic pregnancy. It's not a recognized mental condition, and it's debated. Uh, but some believe it's a true psychosomatic condition that you, you 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 see this person in your life swelling with pregnancy, and you begin to. Swell as well to take really? on. Yeah. Huh. To take on. Uh, you know, you're not actually. There's nothing growing For inside For a moment
5: you. there, I thought you were going to say like sympathetic pregnancy was like somebody said that they they immaculately conceived because of, you know, like their friend was also pregnant.
1: No, this is like, uh you know, the wife is pregnant and the husband. Got it. Starts. Getting a big swollen Now belly, that you know? I could see, yeah.
5: uh, or probably more likely just because of dietary changes around the house based yeah.
1: on... Or certainly high levels of stress and concern. That and helps that, too, you know? yeah,
5: definitely. Um, one of the things that I found in the readings that was interesting about the Middle Ages and the stigmatics, connecting to the psychosomatic explanation was that there was a movement that was referred to as the imitatio of Christi. Mm-hmm. Which, that was a terrible Italian I like, pronunciation, I like it. but it I, don't, I think that's how you say it. But the idea here was that the individuals at the time, like St. Francis himself, were striving so much to live their lives like Jesus Christ that they actually began to manifest the stigmatic wounds uh, or... Getting back to the the self harm, they would mutilate themselves. Mm -hmm. So there were examples of monks that practiced stigmata as penance for their sins. Um, So they would, you know, do it manually. I I don't know. Maybe they even helped one another. That that's the thing too. Like we've we've been talking about how like, you know, people self crucifying. That sounds incredibly difficult to me. Yeah, you got to have help on
1: that. I would uh, think think. somebody's got to help you uh, get up there, right? (laughs) I I don't know. Jeez. Yeah, I think I the, the the footage I've seen of the um festivities in the Philippines uh it's it's a group effort, you know. It's
5: uh, so yeah, so there's a community behind it which yeah. probably helps. So the imitatio Christi was sort of a form of mimesis, right? The idea was that they were identifying so much with someone else in this case Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that they wanted to take on all of their traits, not just the traits of their personality, but also their physical traits. Yeah.
0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
6: This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off Select Milwaukee Tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com.
3: Father's Day is coming. A day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us. To crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. Fifty dollars off now until Father's Day. Visit b a r t e s i a n dot com backslash father to get fifty off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Artesian premium cocktails on demand.
1: Here's an example that comes to mind. Here, this is probably a horrible example. Okay, we'll remove and edits. But uh, are you familiar with uh, you're familiar with Lemmy from Motorhead? Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, and you're familiar enough with wrestling to know uh, Triple H. Ah, uh, yeah. Triple H was the one who was in Blade Three, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's he's like a big honcho with WWE now, and uh, a talented performer. Okay. Right. But he's also a big Motorhead fan. Is that right? Yeah, huge okay. Motorhead fan. Like he's he's brought in Motorhead to do like his his entrance music, like three different versions of his. Entrance oh yeah. In, okay. Music. And uh, for a period of time he like he grew out he had the long hair Triple H did and oh, he yeah. grew out like lemmy facial hair oh so so he had
5: the big like lamb chops and the the uh, lemmy <laughs> he had everything he did
1: not manifest the mole or is it two moles that lemmy
5: had? I, he has at least one really big okay. mole but yeah so Triple H was not able to uh use mimesis to, <laughs> to psychosomatically uh, generate a mole
1: not quite but he, I think he was working on it like a little longer and he could have manifested <laughs> the
5: mole um That's fascinating. I have a friend who has a term which I like to use for describing Lemmy, which is that he has a face like a bucket full of elbows.
1: Now, just clarify, we're not making a direct comparison between Lemmy and Christ, but, uh, you know, an individual that you're devoted to, an idea that you're devoted to, yeah. To at, at what point does that devotion begin to uh, have its own kind of placebo or nocebo effect on your body?
5: Yeah, that's interesting, like Elvis uh, impersonators of today. Oh, that would be a good one, and, yeah. uh,
1: an Elvis stigmata.
5: Yeah, yeah, The combination of, if they had like a m- mimesis, connected to to both Jesus and Elvis or some, <laughs> something something but i'm trying to think of other like modern day manifestations of this you know obviously there's nothing so uh preternatural as you know wounds forming mm-hmm. But there are many uh, forms of identification connected to other figures, you know, especially figures in popular culture.
1: Well, I mean, nowadays, of course, if you're particularly devoted to an individual, you can just have them tattooed on your body. Uh, Oh, yeah. Such as Jesus himself uh, appears on many uh, uh, a back, yeah, an arm. I Um,
5: wonder if there's a – surely there must be somebody out there. We'll have to, uh, Google image search this after the, the recording. Surely there must be somebody out there who's had stigmatic wounds tattooed on their body. Well, I have, I have one of them actually. I, oh, is that right? I,
1: yeah, I have, I actually have the spear wound. I've never seen you on with your my, shirt off. Well, that's the thing, yeah. I tend to, I tend to wear a shirt at work. And, like St. Francis, uh, yeah. you
5: cover up. You're humble about your, yeah. your, uh, holy wounds.
1: Yeah. But no, I really do. I'm not just making a joke. I have the spear wound on my side. Really? Yeah.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I thought you were kidding. No, no, it's real. There, I have, there, it's not like a purely, uh, there are a number of layers to it. Like, I, uh-huh. I only have one tattoo and I put a lot of thought into what I would get and what it would symbolize. And so there are varying levels of, uh, of, of, of symbolism at play. Oh, that, okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well,
5: now our listeners are probably out there. They're very interested in your tattoo. I yeah, wonder if it'll maybe make an
1: appearance on, uh. Maybe catch me at the Y or something. <laughs> <laughs> Now, another uh, example of psychogenic uh, illness I want to mention real quick is conversion disorder. Um, and this is, uh, in this, we see patients uh, suffering from neurological symptoms such as numbness, blindness, uh, paralysis, or fits uh, without any kind of definable organic cause. And it's thought that these symptoms ar- arise in response to stressful situations uh, affecting a patient's mental health. Um, and uh, this is a, it's considered a uh, psychiatric disorder in uh, actually the uh, the DSM DSM five. So, so it's recognized yeah. by the um, you know the,
5: the discipline of psychology.
1: Yeah. So like enough mental stress and anguish, or you know potentially uh, devotion mm-hmm. could uh, could blind you. You know. Wow. So. You know, Factoring that into our attempt to understand stigmata, mm-hmm.
5: you
3: know,
1: it begins to seem ever more possible that you could manifest these wounds uh, psychosomatically.
5: Well, okay, so I have a personal story here. I'll try to be brief with it, but that it, it maybe helps me to understand this. So when I was hmm, 13 years old, mm-hmm. I uh, went to a Southern Baptist private school, Okay. and uh, we had a lot of... Uh, Church study, a lot of reading of the Bible, uh, there was also a lot of talk about demon possession, which I believe we referenced in the episode where we talked about satanic panic. Mm -hmm. There was an incident when I went skiing with my family, uh, and I got snow blindness. I didn't know what this was then. I think I might have told you you this. I
1: can't remember if you mentioned it on the podcast, but you definitely told me about
5: it. Yeah. And, uh, so what happens is, you know, sunlight reflects off the snow, your, your eyes literally get sunburned, and you temporarily go blind. And I didn't know what was going on, so I, I went to sleep that night. And when I woke up, I was blind, and I, I was so scared. And I had in my head all of the, 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 the fear from the the Southern Baptist school that I was in. That I thought that God had stricken me blind. So, you know, it, my sight returned by that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, th- thinking back on all of this psychosomatic talk. I I was just a 13-year-old kid, and I was only in that school for like a year. Can you imagine if your entire life was devoted to the church in such a way? I can imagine that it would be easy for, for some of these things to occur or for other things to cause them and to think that they were manifested by God.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you start start considering the the power that our worldviews and the symbols that we we have in our life, the, the power that they have over us, yeah, and then start thinking about these various psychosomatic effects, it, uh, yeah, it, I, I move closer and closer to to buying purely psychosomatic uh, stigmata, but then of yeah. course, I, then I then I also begin to feel like I'm maybe getting a little too fringy, and then I pull back and just start thinking about self-medulation.
5: Okay. Well, I'm sure in all, there, there's all different types of cases, but like I said in the first uh, episode of this podcast, I don't necessarily believe in stigmata, but I believe that these people believe in their stigmata.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do to feel them, the, it's the vast real. majority of them. Uh, believe it is real mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, a few charlatans in the bunch. But right. But even then, it's often I think you know, when you really look close at, at cases where someone's faking something, faking something big in their life, it becomes complicated when you try and take it apart and say, oh, well, you're just putting on a show.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Like in the case of Padre Pio that we were mm-hmm. talking about earlier, it, if, it, if it was indeed something that he was doing uh, to deceive people. Then that speaks to an even larger psychological problem. Yeah, um, uh, on a scale that's probably you know commensurate with with the that of going into a transcendent state and 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 hurting yourself.
1: All right, so there you have it, stigmata. Hopefully, we have uh, given a nice overview of what it is uh, from a you know from a religious standpoint, from an uh, an historical standpoint, and looked at some of the various ways you can uh, consider it uh, from a medical point of view, mythical. Uh, even a, a little sci-fi thrown in there as well.
5: Yeah, and, and like we said, you know, we're not experts in any of these particular things. I'm not a theologian, I'm certainly not a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm not a psychologist. So I would love to hear from those of you out there that maybe have experience with these or have ideas of your own about stigmata. You can always get in touch with us through our Facebook uh, page, Twitter. Tumblr, And then we are also available at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com. Send us an email there and let us know what you think.
1: Yeah, indeed. And, hey, we want to hear about the uses of stigmata in fiction as well. If you have a yeah. favorite fictional stigmata, you know, horror movie, sci-fi, what have we you. We only touched on
5: those two, the the movie and then the X-Files episode. I'm sure there's got to be dozens.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, there was, God, there's one movie from the 70s called God Told Me To.
5: Uh-huh. I've there's never heard of that, no.
1: Mary Cohen film. Um who did, like, Cue the Winged Serpent, and huh. uh, It Lives, I think. Okay. And it's a it's a subtly fabulous piece that involves, like, a murder investigation in New York, and Andy Kaufman has a small cameo. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it centers around this uh, angelic, Christ-like, hermaphroditic alien being that has... Wow. Uh, uh, been born into 1970s New York City and is like mind-controlling people.
5: Well, I definitely want to see this now. So this is why I'd like you all to write in. <laughs> it, it, this sounds like a great movie
1: recommendation. Yeah, there has to be some more exploitation <laughs> cinema out there for
5: yeah. us to consider. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: All right, so yeah, again, head on over to stufftoblowyourmind.com. Check out uh, all the offerings there. And uh, what's that email address again?
5: Blowthemind at howstuffworks.com.
3: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
4: Ever wolfed down a Big Mac and thought, I need some extra cash? Mm -hmm. Then download the Drop app. Get rewarded for dining out and more. Use code DROP22 for $5 in points. Download DROP now.
3: You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one.